Um, I am an interventional cardiologist, which means that I am trained to be able to open up blocked arteries in the setting of a heart attack um, and can literally save a patient's life. But as a preventive cardiologist, I can use that knowledge to prevent another heart attack or prevent a heart attack from happening, perhaps even in the first place. I wrote a book, um, The Vegan Heart Doctor's Guide to Reversing Heart Disease, Losing Weight and Reclaiming Your Life. And I, I share it in, in my passion for educating patients to tell people about what heart disease is, risk factors, and what you proactively can do to reduce your risk. So I talk a lot about much of what I'm going to be discussing today about um, diet and exercise and lifestyle and how you can bring it all together to keep your heart healthy. So heart disease is, is prevalent. Um, by the numbers um, of those people who have heart attacks, 20% are silent heart attacks. Heart attacks are the number one leading cause of death both for both men and women in the United States. And an important number is that 80% of heart attacks and strokes can be prevented by being proactive with a healthy lifestyle. So the number one cause of death is heart disease. And shortly behind that is stroke, um, which has similar risk factors as, as heart disease. So when we're talking about heart disease in particular, I am going to be for the most part speaking about coronary artery disease, which is plaque in the arteries of the heart. Other forms of heart disease are congestive heart failure, which is a condition in which the heart cannot handle the volume of fluid in the body. Hypertension, also hot, which is also known as high blood pressure. Arrhythmias, which are abnormal rhythms. Valve disease, which is disease of the valves that permit flow between the different chambers of the heart and congenital abnormalities, which are abnormalities that can be present in birth. So there's a broad spectrum of issues of the heart that I treat, but for the most part, I'm going to be speaking about coronary artery disease today. What is coronary artery disease? Coronary artery disease is plaque within the arteries of the heart. Now, the heart is a large muscle that sits in the left side of our chest, and being that it is a muscle, it requires nutrients. So blood is pumped through the arteries of the heart, the coronary arteries, to supply oxygen and nutrients to the heart tissue. Now, a procedure to open up an artery of the heart is called a coronary angioplasty. So as an interventional cardiologist, I can put my catheters in to the body, either from the groin or the right femoral artery, or from the wrist, the right radial artery, and I can feed my catheters up to the heart inject dye, see where the arteries flow, see if there are significant blockages. If I do see a significant blockage, I can pass a wire through the blockage and then pass a balloon along that wire, inflate that balloon to push the plaque out of the way, and then ultimately put a tube in called a stent to hold the artery open. 
This is a sample of a cardiac catheterization laboratory where coronary angiograms and angioplasties take place. You can see that um, there's a table and there's a patient lying on the table covered in a blue drape. There are two people standing at the side of the table. The person who is the furthest from the front of the screen would be probably the cardiologist, the interventional cardiologist, and the person, the other person, the, the gentleman who appears to be wearing the red cap appears to be the technician who is helping him or her with the procedure, with the equipment. The screens in front of them show the arteries of the body and show hemodynamics and um, an EKG tracing to help them to do their work. Bypass surgery. So what is bypass surgery? A bypass surgery involves cutting the chest open, spreading the ribs, and putting in vessels to literally bypass significant blockages. So it doesn't open up any arteries. It doesn't clean out any arteries. It just provides a passage around a blockage. Now, these bypass conduits can come from a couple of different places. It can come from the legs. We have what's called our greater saphenous vein. It's an extra vein in our leg that we really don't need, and it can be removed and can be sewn in to the chest wall. In particular, it can be sewn to the aorta and then sewn to one of the arteries of the heart to allow blood to bypass through it. Unfortunately, these vein bypasses aren't terribly sturdy at about 10 years after a open heart bypass surgery, half of those veins are no longer open. Now, a bypass using an artery, um, which is typically the left internal mammary artery, it's an artery that runs along our chest wall and it's an extra artery that we don't need. It can be rerouted onto the heart to allow for blood to bypass narrowings in the left side of the heart. Those bypasses, specifically the left internal mammary artery, that bypass tends to be stable and open for usually the duration of a person's life without, without any exceptions for the most part. Now, risk factors for coronary artery disease. There are things we can change. There are things we can't change. The things we can't change are our genetics or our gender. So men tend to have heart disease at younger ages than women do. But after menopause, women tend to catch up. So that gap becomes less and less as we get older. But there are a number of modifiable risk factors. Smoking is a big one. Quitting smoking can definitely very significantly reduce the risk of developing coronary artery disease or events. Diet, eating a healthy diet is important. And I'm going to talk more about that. Exercise, controlling blood pressure, controlling cholesterol, um, controlling diabetes and managing stress also are modifiable risk factors that can help to reduce the risk for coronary artery disease and heart attacks. Now, in the United States, what we eat is not necessarily geared for health. So only 9% of our calories come from vegetables, fruits, and legumes. 22% come from grains, 30% come from animal products, and 39% come from added fats, oil, and sugar. So not a pattern of eating that really is sustainable for, for optimal health, unfortunately. Now, studies worldwide have shown that diets 
that are more plant-based have a lower risk of heart disease, hypertension or high blood pressure, type 2 diabetes, intestinal disorders, several kinds of cancers, including colon, esophageal, and prostate cancer, osteoporosis, kidney stones, and gallstones. A quote that I like from Dr. Colin Campbell, author of the China study, is the vast majority of all cancers, cardiovascular disease, and other forms of degenerative illness can be prevented simply by adopting a plant-based diet. Now, what is in a plant-based diet? And to be clear, I'm not specifically talking about a vegan diet. Vegan means no animal products, and that doesn't necessarily equate to a healthy diet. So things that are vegan are sodas and potato chips and candies and French fries, which aren't necessarily the most health-promoting foods. A plant-based diet for the sense of for this presentation would be a diet that contains plenty of vegetables, grains, beans, fruits, nuts, and seeds. No animal process, no animal products may include some smartly processed foods like tofu, plant milks, tempeh, and dried fruits. And foods that are more heavily processed are minimal in the diet. Now, plant-based diets are appropriate for all stages of life. Now, this is from the position of the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, their point on vegetarian diets. It is their position that an appropriately an appropriately planned vegetarian or vegan diet is healthful and nutritionally adequate and may provide health benefits for the prevention and treatment of certain diseases. These diets are appropriate for all stages of the life cycle, including pregnancy, lactation, infancy, childhood, adolescence, older adulthood, and for athletes. Um, Plant-based diets are more environmentally sustainable than diets rich in animal products because they use fewer natural resources and are associated with much less environmental damage. Vegetarian and vegans are at reduced risk of certain health conditions, including ischemic heart disease, type 2 diabetes, hypertension, certain types of cancer, and obesity. That's my daughter, Ava. That's a picture from, I believe she's two and a half years old in that picture, and she's helping me to make dinner. Um, there's some broccoli, there's a strawberry that she's snacking on, and a little piece of tofu that she was snacking on as well. So um, plant-based diets, good for all ages. Blue zones. Blue zones are areas of the world where people tend to have exceptional longevity, where you see people who are frequently in their 90s or even 100s and still living well and active and healthy. Now the areas of the world where we consider blue zones are Loma Linda, California, Nicoya, Costa Rica, Sardinia, Italy, Ikaria, Greece, and Okinawa, Japan. Now there are certain things that the, air, the blue zones tend to have in common. Um, they have several things in common. One of them is a predominantly plant-based diet, but also that they have extensive family connections, minimal smoking, people tend to be socially engaged, and engaged in constant, moderate physical activity. I have a quote from Dr. 
Kim Williams, who is also, I believe, featured in this seven day, uh, the 17 day um, series of lectures. There are two kinds of cardiologists, vegans and those who haven't read the data. So we are going to delve in and talk about the data. And this, this slide is dated because um, Dr. Williams is now affiliated with a, a different institution, but the um, sentiment remains. The Ornish Lifestyle Program. Now, Dean Ornish designed a program for heart health. It wasn't just diet. It did include a low-fat vegetarian diet, moderate exercise, stress management, quitting smoking, and group support. His diet consisted of a large quantity of fruits, vegetables, grains, legumes, and soy. He did not provide any type of caloric restrictions, but based on the content of the diet, fewer than 10% of calories came from fat. There were no animal products allowed except for egg whites and one cup per day of non-fat milk or yogurt. There was no caffeine allowed and very limited amounts of alcohol. Now, in Dr. Ornish's lifestyle heart trial, he separated his patients into an experimental group and a control group. So the experimental group, they were counseled on the Ornish style diet. They um, attended group support programs. They were um, educated on how to quit smoking, how to exercise. There was a lot of intervention in addition to the diet. The control group, they were not counseled beyond just eat healthy. Um, the experimental group actually had reversal of their average coronary narrowing on, on something called a quantitative coronary angiogram. So the average narrowing decreased from 40 to 37.8%. Whereas in the control group, the people who did not engage in this program, they had progression of their average coronary narrowing from 42.7% to 46.1%. Now, this seems like a small differences, but it's important to note that there was in this study found to be reversal because typically the natural course of coronary artery disease, we consider it to be that people progress and have continued development of plaque within their arteries. So to see something that may have yielded reversal is a big deal. Um, in those in the experimental group, they had less angina or heart-related chest pain. It was decreased by 91%, whereas the control group had increased in their heart-related chest pain by 165%. And of those in the experimental group, 82% of all the patients had some degree of regression or reversal of their coronary narrowings. Now, another study to look at dietary intervention for heart disease was undertaken by Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn. And he called his work arrest and reversal therapy. So in his initial study in the 1980s and 1990s, he took on patients who had severe triple vessel coronary artery disease. And these were pretty sick people. He put them on a strict vegetarian diet. He recruited only 21 patients, 17 followed the diet, and 11 of them had a full set of data collected, including coronary angiogram data. So his diet allowed whole grains, legumes, lentils, vegetables, and fruit. He did not allow nuts, oil, seeds, 
avocados or any animal products. So this is more than just a vegan diet. And this is a, a very low fat vegan diet. Now the, to better demonstrate just how sick these patients were, in the 11 patients on whom we have complete data, um, in the eight years prior to being enrolled in the study, they had a total of 37 events, 15 events of increased angina or heart-related chest pain, six had documented progression of the plaque buildup in their arteries, six had bypass surgeries, four had heart attacks, three strokes, two angioplasties, and one had a stress test that demonstrated worsening. But after the study, in the 11 patients who were fo who followed the diet over 10 years, there were zero events. Again, it's a small population, but a big difference. This is an example of the coronary angiogram of one of those patients. So on the left is a before picture of the left anterior descending artery, and on the right is an after picture. So you can see where there's um, and our, the artery looks nice and plump, and then you can see that it becomes more narrowed. Um, and then just a couple, um, 32 months later, you can see that artery appears plumped up, and this is without uh, the patient having any type of balloons or stents put in their arteries, and even in this particular case without a cholesterol-lowering medication. This is another coronary angiogram, this patient, um, Similarly, before and after this patient was also on a cholesterol-lowering medication. Now, an interesting quote from Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn from Forks Over Knives is, some people think the plant-based whole foods diet is extreme. Half a million a year will have their chests opened up and a vein taken from their leg and sewn onto their coronary artery. Some people would call that extreme. This is a coronary PET scan. So this is a nuclear scan measuring blood flow. These pictures are before and three weeks after following a plant-based diet. So the before picture, you can see where the arrow is, there's an area of black. Um, that is an area of the heart where there is not a lot of blood flow. But after just three weeks of a plant-based diet, the pictures demonstrate a whole lot more vibrant color, suggesting that there is more blood flow to this territory of the heart. So pictures demonstrating um, that a plant-based diet is increasing blood flow to this portion of the heart. So I'm gonna tell you about one of my patients and he's a patient I talk about in my book. So he's a 55 year old man who came in to see me in my office. Um, he was having exertional chest pain. So he would walk or he'd exercise and he'd get chest pain. This just didn't seem right to him. He was on medicine for high blood pressure, but otherwise no other medications, no other medical problems. I put him through a stress test and he got on the treadmill and he developed chest pain and his EKG showed changes. So it was a very abnormal stress test. I put, I had him undergo a coronary angiogram. We found that he had a pretty severe narrowing in one of his arteries. Um, and I went ahead and I went put a stent in. So as I always do with all my patients, we talk about lifestyle changes and diet and what he did next, he adopted a plant-based diet. He started exercising regularly, particularly cycling as he progressed with his 
healthy exercise and diet, his blood pressure naturally came down. He no longer needed to be on blood pressure medicine, though he did continue to be on an aspirin and a cholesterol lowering medicine or statin, which is appropriate for anybody who has coronary artery disease. And he's had no further cardiac events. So I took care of him for about six or seven years until I, um, I moved to another and opened up my own practice and he moved to another area. So I lost touch with him and I've, and then he reached out to me, sent me this message. Good day, Dr. Shankman. I'm a former patient of yours. Of course, I remembered well who you performed an angiogram and stent on in 2014. I just wanted to touch base and let you know that I'm doing well. No cardiac issues. Just received a cardiac PET scan and an echocardiogram last week. All was very good. I've been retired for two years now, still a vegan, bikes 50 to 70 miles a week. I again wanted to thank you for your life-changing guidance. Right. And then this is Bill Clinton. He underwent coronary bypass surgery in 2004. He then underwent an angioplasty in 2010 to open up a diseased bypass graft. It was a, a vein bypass graft that had closed off. Now, after that, he adopted a mostly plant-based diet, lost weight, and since that time has not had any further cardiac issues. Now, the question, of course, is what if I adopt a more plant-based diet, don't necessarily go 100% vegan, um, which I, I think is a reasonable question to ask. Now, the Lion Heart Study, this was done in the late 1990s, the study took on patients who had a history of a heart attack and it tested the effects of a Mediterranean style diet compared to a Western diet. Now the experimental group underwent changes to their diet to make it a more Mediterranean diet. They were urged to consume more vegetables and fruit. Um, they were encouraged to consume less red meat and more so-called white meats. Uh, and they replaced their butter and cream with a margarine that's high in alpha-linolenic acid, which is an omega-3 fatty acid. Now, the patients who underwent a Mediterranean-style diet had a 50 to 70% lower risk of recurrence of heart disease. And this is a chart demonstrating the reduction. So the furthest to the left is 100%. And as we go along over the course of the years, the people on the Mediterranean diet versus those who were on the Western style diet, those on the Western style diet had more events occur. Now, looking at the types of diets, there's a lot of diets out there and dietary patterns. And the US News and World Report uh, puts together their list of best diets. And that's evaluated by physicians and nutritionists and other experts in, in nutrition. And the diets that they rank the highest, like the DASH diet, the Mediterranean diet, flexitarian, Ornish, um, these diets tend to be predominantly plant-based, if not fully plant-based diets. Um, the diets at the bottom of the list, namely paleo and keto, because these were literally the bottom of the list. Um, these are diets that are higher in animal products.